Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 24. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Well, it's that time you've all been waiting for, the conclusion of the Black and White Animals trilogy. If you're a new listener, I'd encourage you to listen to the first two parts of this story, Drabblecast 11 and 12. This trilogy is something written and produced by the Drabblecast staff, myself and co-editors Luke Coddington and Kendall Marchman, as kind of a special thing. Usually we bring you a variety of short, bizarre fiction by various talented writers, so don't expect this kind of overwrought, stretched-out buffoonery from us every week. This also marks the end of the Drabblecast haiku contest. Thanks to all who sent in haikus and voted. The top five haiku finalists will stay up on the website with their haikus, and you'll find out who the winner is halfway through today's story. In final news, we wrapped up a short promo for Drabblecast that is up on the feed and website now. If you get a chance, send this promo out to your friends. Throw it up on your blogs or burn it on mixed CDs. Tell other podcasters about it. We want more and more people to be able to enjoy the good stuff that goes on here. Well, here it is, folks, part three of the Black and White Animals trilogy. But first, a quick recap of the events that transpired one hot summer afternoon in a zoo not so far away. Last time on Black and White Animals, Vengeful Hearts. Mommy, is that you? It was her son, Harry. Before Brenda could find the wherewithal to respond, The border collie, which was walking her son, began to move off down the sidewalk, growling at Harry and then nipping at his heels to move him along. Mertzatz knew he had but one chance to acquire Earth back from the black and white animals who had revolted against his command, and vengeance filled each of his three hearts. Champion, this treachery cannot be tolerated. Travel to Earth in an essence transporter and take an Earthling as a host. Then bring me the head of the Panda Chieftain. Make examples of all who stand in your way. Suddenly there was a loud crack, as if lightning had struck nearby, and black and white animals and humans alike were thrown to the ground. Harry's body went stiff as all thoughts in his mind were replaced with the words. I am the champion, and you shall all pay for your insolence. Harry, listen. I I don't know what's going on anymore. I haven't been able to make sense of anything lately. All these penguins and telepathic powers. I just wanted to take you to the zoo. I just wanted to see you happy. I may not know what's going on, Harry. But I know I'm your mother, 
love you. Champion Harry froze. His little arms quivered below the weight of the massive boulder he was supporting. His eyes welled up with tears. Put the boulder down, Harry. Put the boulder down. Ling Ling turned to address the assembly of black and white animals. We must learn to work together, all of us. United as one, we shall rise and usher in a new day of peace and harmony for humans and black and white animals alike. The champion rises. I have found a new host, one with no room in its shadowy heart for love or compassion. And now see how your precious Lingling has fallen. You will soon bow your heads again before the Emperor's throne. Without a leader, you cannot stand. <laughs> there is Ying, and there is Yang. There is darkness, and there is light. There is good, and there is evil. There is black, and there is white. In a world where the color of your fur makes all the difference, the fate of humanity rests on one woman's decision to let her true colors shine through. Dravelcast Productions is proud to present Black and White Animals 3. A stern black Crown Victoria rolled methodically down the roughly graveled access road, pebbles popping under its tires as it passed the now empty enclosures of the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. The government-issue car came to a stop in front of a bullet-riddled sign demarking the administrative offices. Two tall, angular men wearing dark suits and grim faces climbed out of the vehicle and made their way toward the nearest building, briefly acknowledging the two large, burly guards who grudgingly stepped aside from their post at the front door to admit them. That the guards happened to be a spectacled bear and a white Bengal tiger seemed not to bother the men at all, and they proceeded quickly to the center of the building coming to a halt in front of a large oak desk inhabited by a small, dumpy woman. An ornate plaque on the desk read, Brenda Plimpton, President, Interspecies Council, but the nervous smile she bestowed on her visitors belied a somewhat less auspicious manner than her title suggested. Uh, yes, uh, what can I do for you, um, Agent Zimmerman? she asked while squinting through a pair of pink-tinted reading glasses at the foremost government agent. It's more of a matter of what you can do for your race, Madam President, Agent Zimmerman answered coolly. A noise somewhere between a grunt and a squawk was heard from the far corner, and a large emperor penguin waddled out of the shadows with an offended expression on its beak. Brenda glanced quickly in the penguin's direction and said, Easy, Velasquez. They're on our side. Zimmerman faltered for a few seconds, and his hand drifted almost unconsciously towards a small, white device attached to his right ear. Then he gathered himself and continued. Madam President, 
may i remind you that i represent what is left of a government that has sheltered and provided for your every need in the past in the three weeks since you were inexplicably elevated to power by that bear you've been in a unique position to repay what most people would consider a large debt to your society and you've done almost nothing to help humanity regain its once proud stature brenda's normally mild face had hardened during zimmerman's speech and turned a shade of purple peculiar to frustrated middle-aged soccer moms what exactly are you trying to say mr zimmerman asked brenda i'm saying madam president that perhaps we should be more cautious in our relations with these simple black-and-white animals. Uh, no offense, he said, glancing at the penguin on the floor. The penguin sneered. Oh, really? Well, hey, if you really think we humans are that superior, uh, feel free to return the psychic blocking devices you're wearing on your ears. The black and whites passed them out as a gesture of goodwill and equality. But hey, if, if you don't accept, uh, oh yeah, I, I thought so. Agent Zimmerman had only grimaced in response, and then appeared to be on the verge of continuing with his message when he was interrupted as the office door was slammed open. A large female panda nearly fell through, panting with exertion. Brenda and Velasquez the Emperor Penguin started forward and quickly moved to the panda's side, and Brenda cried, Maylon, are you all right? I... I have news. Is it safe? She asked, gesturing towards the two government agents. Yes, Maylon, they can be trusted, Brenda replied with an unconvinced tone to her voice. Gentlemen, this is Maylon. She was mate to the great panda chieftain Ling Ling and has made it her personal mission to help us avenge his death and secure the safety of the earth. Go ahead, Maylon. I have discovered the whereabouts of the champion's base of operations. He's apparently working out of a bowling alley only 20 miles from here. Also, I've confirmed the rumors we've been hearing that he's gathered an army of disgruntled humans, an extremist anti-black and white resistance group called the Rainbow Force. These humans are unaware that the zookeeper is not human himself. Brenda's heart leapt in her chest. They had finally found him. Perhaps they could end this thing now. Her mind began racing, but was then interrupted by Agent Zimmerman's steely, cold voice. What the hell is that panda talking about? Brenda sighed. The champion is the alien Emperor Mertzatz's number one fighter, the most powerful being in the Empire. Mertzatz sent this assassin to Earth to take a human host, which ended up being my son, Harry. We were able to defeat the champion, but he found a new host, one with a shadowy heart that had no room for love or compassion. It settled upon the soul of a zookeeper, formerly known as Trey Jackson. Malon growled. Old man Jackson. Brenda began again. Yes, it seems the champion has found his perfect host. Perfect? <laughs> yes, they are perfect match for each other, aren't they? Malon interrupted again bitterly. For years, we black and white animals have been tormented by old man Jackson in this zoo. He is truly a cruel and wicked man, even by the standards of you. 
humans. Zimmerman glared. Oh, yes, well, Brenda stammered, attempting to quell the obvious antagonism. Uh, Malon does harbor some strong feelings, which she usually keeps in check, uh, because the zookeeper Jackson murdered Lingling. Malon backed off. Brenda continued. Well, from there, we lost track of the champion, but the black and white animals are sure that he's attempting to reopen the portal to Mertzatz's planet, which will allow for the alien invasion of Earth. And now we know where the zookeeper formerly known as Trey Jackson is, and we gotta move fast. Wait, wait, portal. So it is true, said Zimmerman. There is still a link to the animal's masters. Madam President, why weren't we appraised of this situation? Well, Mr. Zimmerman, uh, this information is highly classified. Zimmerman became flushed with anger. Classified? If there is going to be a first contact with this alien race through some uh, portal... Zimmerman seemed to be struggling to find words. I'll be damned if I let some penguins and a soccer mom negotiate for the entire human race. Mr. Zimmerman, if you please. Zimmerman scowled. We aren't planning on negotiating. We're planning on blowing that freaking portal to smithereens. This is a dangerous and desperate alien civilization we're dealing with here, Mr. Zimmerman. We ain't taking no chances with no negotiations. But there's so much we could learn from them, cried Zimmerman. Oh, why, the technology alone. A fearsome squawk came from below. It was the Emperor Penguin, and he didn't look happy. Settle down, Velasquez, said Brenda. Mr. Zimmerman, this matter isn't up for debate. It has already been decided. Now, we could really use your help if the agency can put aside its political aims right now for the common good. Zimmerman and his colleagues stepped aside to conduct a hurried and intense conversation under their breaths. Zimmerman then stepped forward at attention, saluted, and said, I'll get you some of our best men within the hour, Madam President. Brenda glanced at Velasquez, who nodded quickly, and then back at the agents with a gleam in her eye. It's settled then. You bring your tigers, I'll bring mine. Meet us outside in an hour. Elsewhere in the galaxy, the alien Emperor Mertzatz gazed down from his throne at the trembling messenger at his feet. Well, don't just hover there. What news is there from planet Earth? My lord, the messenger stammered. The champion reports of the utmost success. He has captured the head of the panda interloper and is now making arrangements to reopen the portal. He says he will notify us tonight when it is safe to enter. Ha <laughs> ha! The champion succeeds again, cried Mertzatz triumphantly and made a movement with his first set of mandibles that vaguely resembled a smile. He then turned to the various advisors and dignitaries clustered about the throne room and shouted, Prepare to leave through the portal. We shall dine on human flesh tonight. All right, 
Brenda cleared her throat nervously. The Special Forces team hid behind an embankment several yards from the entrance of Arlington, Virginia's Blue Ball Bowling, home to some of the best wings in the metro area, and more recently, an interplanetary portal that could spell doom for the inhabitants of planet Earth. Crouched together were eight humans in full tactical gear, Malon the giant panda, Velasquez the surly emperor penguin, and two large albino Bengal tigers named Jojo and Mr. Ruggles. Here's the plan. We divide up into two groups. Melon, you, me, and the tigers go after Zookeeper Jackson and his cronies. We create a diversion for Velasquez, Zimmerman, and his men to get to the portal and plant the bomb. When we get the okay that the bomb has been planted, we get the hell out of there. And Velasquez, you hit that detonate button the second I say so, okay? The penguin ground his cigarette into the dirt and nodded. Let's move. The team sprinted through the parking lot and slammed through the front doors. Numerous angry-looking humans wearing bright rainbow-colored uniforms were startled from games of pinball and darts. What the hell? One of the brightly colored men yelled. Party's over, boys, growled Mr. Ruggles. The men scrambled for weapons as Maylon lunged forward and tackled a thick rainbow-suited crony. Brenda dove for cover as a barrage of bullets peppered the wall beside her. There was a man standing on one of the lanes with a submachine gun. Jojo the tiger bound toward him, spinning in midair to avoid his fire. She caught him by his right arm and hurled him down the lane. He smashed through the pins and lay still, his body twisted unnaturally. Mr. Ruggles interrupted his dismembering of another crony to stand and cross his front legs into an X. Strike! He laughed. Jojo winked at him, but her smile faded quickly. Ruggles, watch out! A swift crony came up behind the tiger, wielding a large steel pipe. Out of nowhere, Brenda barreled into the man at full speed, knocking him over. Ruggles turned and finished off the crony. Jesus, human. You hit like a rhino. Brenda dusted herself off. Eh, I've taken down bigger. Suddenly, a shadowy figure clutching a blood-stained garden rake emerged from a dark stairway. What the hell is going on here? It's Zookeeper Jackson, yelled Malon, her mighty paw simultaneously sealing the fate of a knife-wielding rainbow man. <coughs> you fools, barked the zookeeper. Getting your asses kicked by a petting zoo. Pathetic humans. The remaining disgruntled Rainbow Force members looked confused. Step aside, he said, throwing a nearby crony clear across the bowling alley. The remaining cronies backed off. Malon stepped forward. Old man Jackson, we meet again. Malon. Come to avenge your precious Ling Ling's death, eh? Or perhaps it's payback time for all those years that I taunted and tormented you in the zoo. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, enough warm regression, eh? Now you shall feel the cold edge of my garden rake. Have at you! Malon immediately dodged a speedy swipe of the fierce rake. She lunged onto the zookeeper's back and dug in deep with her claws but was then elbowed sharply in the face. Her head kicked 
back, but she held her grip. The zookeeper bound powerfully away and slammed his back into a wall, crushing the panda, who let go and fell from the man's back, gasping for air. The zookeeper raised his rake menacingly and was immediately tackled by not one, but both the Bengal tigers. Meanwhile, Brenda motioned for Velasquez's team to proceed. Hurry, she whispered. We won't be able to hold him off for long. The team sprinted in and made their way down the stairwell from which the zookeeper had first appeared. Brenda looked back to see the zookeeper on his feet again, struggling with a tiger on each arm. Brenda wanted to help, but fear anchored her where she stood. What could she do? She'd never even used a gun before. As she bent over trembling, she saw the zookeeper spread his arms, and with a mighty cry he swung his arms together, smashing the two tigers into each other with unbelievable power. The tigers fell off his arms and crumpled to the pungent-smelling carpet. Malon somersaulted forward and drop-kicked the zookeeper in the face, sending him sprawling backwards. He crashed into a pinball machine, sending small mechanical parts flying everywhere. Malon took the opportunity to try and pin down the zookeeper, but with lightning speed he was on his feet again, with his menacing garden rake in hand spinning above his head like a whirling helicopter propeller. The two leapt at each other, twisting in mid-flight seemingly in slow motion. Almost as if they were defying gravity itself, they twirled and spun with amazing acrobatic skill. When both landed, the zookeeper landed on his feet, and Mei Lan toppled to the floor, her weight now unsupported by the apparent and shocking loss of a front limb. The zookeeper chuckled, Looks like I've got the upper hand now, he said, balancing the bloody paw on the tip of his rake. Your head would look perfect right next to Ling Ling's, over my fireplace. Two heads are better than one, they say. Malon gritted her teeth in pain and looked over at Brenda, who was pale with horror. What can I do? It's just me. I'm not strong enough. Brenda thought. I wish you could tell me what to do. Just then, the words of the zookeeper rang in her head. Two heads are better than one. She made eye contact with Mei Lan and removed the small psychic blocker from her ear. Get in my head, she screamed in her mind. Meanwhile, in the lower level of the bowling alley, Velasquez's team had easily reached the portal room. The penguin hadn't even needed his extensive battle training, as the agents with him had sniped the few rainbow men that the champion had left to guard the portal, which stood at the center of what used to be the manager's office of the bowling alley. It was a freakish scene, as grimy walls decorated mostly with pages ripped from old penthouse magazines seemed to lean inwards towards an odd arched doorway topped by the disembodied head of Ling Ling the Panda. Zimmerman started. Is that it? Velasquez nodded. Zimmerman's men shuffled uneasily. Is it finished opening? Is it safe to travel through? Velasquez squinted and seemed to inspect the portal one more time, then nodded. There was a subtle shimmer in the air beneath the arch. 
it was open. The penguin immediately got to work strapping the bomb pack to a water pipe next to the portal opening. He turned for one brief moment to indicate that he needed assistance, when suddenly his ears filled with the sound of a bullet being fired. He looked around, confused, bewildered. I'm sorry, said Zimmerman. It had to be done, Penguin. This opportunity is too large. The stakes are too high. Velasquez was still puzzled, but then he began to feel lightheaded. He looked down at his pudgy little belly. He had been shot. Zimmerman had shot him. He fell backwards and lay gasping for air. His eyes filled with rage. The tips of his fins almost seemed to clench. I'm afraid you won't be needing this, said Zimmerman, as he took the bomb pack from the wheezing penguin. Come on, men. It's time to talk business with this Mertzatz fellow. Meanwhile, one floor above. Brenda whipped forward, completely involuntarily, and snapped into a fearsome fighting stance. What's this? mused Zookeeper Jackson. The little human wants to save her little panda pal. How amusing. Immediately, Brenda shot through the air like a dart and landed a severe uppercut to the zookeeper's jaw. He fell to the ground, dazed. Brenda was on him again before he even had a chance to realize what had happened, landing blow after blow on the bemused zookeeper. Finally, he kicked her off and sent her flying through the air. Brenda, feeling like a puppet on a string, spun in the air and landed again on her feet in perfect fighting stance. Maylon lay on her side, panting, oddly concentrating on the human female. Zookeeper Jackson hurled his rake at Brenda like a spear, like mighty Zeus casting a bolt of lightning, and Brenda reached forward and caught it before she even had realized it had been thrown. She broke it over her knee. Zookeeper Jackson looked down at Maylon and then at Brenda. I know what's going on. I know what you're doing, Panda. Brenda stepped forward with confidence and authority. In her own voice, she said, Well, you're pretty smart for a zookeeper. The zookeeper snarled and turned away, bolting down the steps. Malon whispered, He's going for the portal. You have to stop him. I won't be able to help you once you go down there. No, no, I, I can't. You have to, human. I believe in you. Now, it's time for you to believe in yourself. Brenda wiped tears from her face. I will come back for you, she choked out. I know you will, human. I know you will. Brenda stood and took a deep breath. She turned and followed after the zookeeper down the steps. She entered the portal room and was shocked to find it empty. Nothing but the ominous-looking portal entrance, like the gaping maw of some malevolent beast. Wait, no, there in the corner lay a small, motionless figure. Velasquez. Brenda ran to the penguin. Velasquez, what happened? Are you okay? 
she asked, knowing full well that his wounds looked fatal and that he didn't have much longer. The penguin pointed his flipper toward the portal. They, they all went in there? Zimmerman? The zookeeper? Velasquez nodded. Then, with unexpected ferocity, he motioned for her to go, to follow them. Brenda gasped. I can't! I can't just leave you here! The penguin noticed that she had her psychic blocker removed and spoke into her mind. Don't you worry about me. You just get your ass in there and blow some shit up. Brenda was shocked to hear the penguin's gruff and commanding voice in her mind, but she knew she had no choice but to obey. She ran to the portal and turned around for one last look at Velasquez. The penguin lay on his side. His eyes were half-closed, but his right fin was raised upward toward Brenda. The fin of friendship. Brenda nodded and then turned to face the portal. She stepped inside. It was a world of black and white. The cold palace floor was checkered with black and white tiles. The walls were made of black and white stones. It was a world of horror. All around her were giant, multi-headed, black and white, insect-like monstrosities, screeching and clattering about with their numerous long, spidery legs. A few hovered about the ground on bizarre black and white plates. There was a strange black staircase that led up some tall, white metal structure. Brenda's eyes followed the staircase, and she began to realize, with gut-twisting horror, that the metal structure was a throne. And on it sat an enormous crowned mantis thing, at least twice the size of all the other scuttling giants around her. At the top of the ramp stood several bound humans. It was Zimmerman and his men. Brenda screamed as one of the humans was prodded by an alien and forced to leap from the ramp, directly into one of the enormous mouths of the enthroned mantis. Brenda's scream was met with an audience of shocked expressions. The alien shrieked in anger. Human! Zimmerman looked down from above. He was next in line and was standing on the precipice of the ramp above a terrible, gaping mouth. His expression was not one of terror, but seemed more stupefied and resigned. He looked as if he was about to faint from exhaustion. His lazy eyes met Brenda's, and his hoarse voice called down. Do it. He pointed toward a device on the ground, several yards in front of Brenda, before being forced off the precipice and into the waiting jaws of Emperor Mertzatz. Brenda wasn't sure what it was at first, then realized Zimmerman had pointed at the detonator. He'd still had the bomb pack on him. She lunged forward as a multitude of enormous black and white aliens scuttled toward her. She snatched the detonator and only had a brief moment to see Zookeeper Jackson bearing down on her. He grabbed her and snarled, Where's your little panda now, human? Brenda replied, She's... she's home. And speaking of homes, what do you say we liven this place up a bit? The Zookeeper looked perplexed. Yeah, it's a little drab looking, eh? It could use a little, I don't know, flare. She held up the detonator. The zookeeper's jaw dropped open, and he unintentionally released his grip on her. 
She pushed the button and charged toward the portal entrance as the enormous black and white room was instantly flooded with orange light and red flame. Brenda felt searing heat upon the flapping fat of the back of her arms as she dove forward toward the portal. There were fireworks everywhere, all around her, bright colors radiating outward, penetrating everywhere. And then there was only darkness. Brenda Plimpton's motionless form started suddenly, and then she sat up, gasping for breath. Harry, she cried urgently. Bewildered, disoriented, she looked around her. It was not the flames of an enormous firebomb that had blinded her upon waking, but just the pleasant rays of an early afternoon sun. She was in the middle of what she now recognized to be the park, a block away from her suburban Delaware home. Turning her head towards the sounds of footsteps on the lush green grass, her heart leapt with joy as she glimpsed her son Harry, running towards her with a frisbee. Geez, Mom, you were really fast asleep. You kept on talking and stuff. You sounded really goofy. Who's Mertzatz, anyway? The flood of comments from the boy only served to confuse her further. Had it all been a dream? Harry cut into her thoughts again. Aunt May thought we should let you rest, so we were throwing the frisbee. She's really good at it. All my friends think she's really cool, too. Brenda's mouth fell open as she looked in the direction Harry was gesturing and saw a few neighborhood kids milling around a large, one-armed panda bear that was headed their way. Maylon swung Harry up onto her back and smiled kindly at her. Have you seen the new monument? asked Maylon, gesturing up to the sparkling new commemorative sculpture placed in the middle of a beautiful marble fountain. Water leapt from the pool in thick streams and then broke apart as it reached for the sky. Brenda noticed how light seemed to shimmer on each falling drop as it returned to find wholeness again in the cool waters of the basin. Brenda was still reeling in shock. This couldn't be real. You were in my dreams, she gasped. Malon smiled sweetly. You're in my dreams too, human. She looked up at the large stone sculpture before finishing. Perhaps you and I share the same dream. From the middle of the fountain rose the stone forms of a strong, noble panda, a gruff, loyal penguin, and an innocent human child. The three were holding hands and looked upwards over the horizon, and even the casual observer had to admit they seemed to belong together. Over the next few weeks, I'll be re-recording part one of the Black and White Animals with better audio production, and we'll be putting the trilogy on a special section of the website, because they don't really fit in with our submission guidelines, and that's kind of hypocritical. Also, you'll be able to order a CD of the trilogy with special artwork and a making-of episode that we'll be doing soon. 
we'll keep you posted. That's all for this week. Tune in next week for episode 25. Be sure to comment on the website, www.drabblecast.org, and tell a friend about the Drabblecast. The Drabblecast staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and myself, Norm Sherman, reminding you to get your ass in there and blow some shit up this week. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.